And no matter how much we look, no matter how hard we gaze, no matter how many times we read or hear the story of the pain, suffering, and death of Jesus, there is always more to take in. There is always more than we can take in. Yet more and more of us only meditate on the cross and its meaning on this single day. And less and less of us do it at all. At least in this part of the world. Today, though, around the world, hundreds of millions of believers will take far more than a moment to think about the cross of Christ. Now, what I can say can give but a glimpse of a thought about the multifaceted cross of our Savior. Jesus was killed by powerful men. Yes, the crowd allowed themselves to be stirred up against Jesus, but it was priests, Pharisees, teachers of the law that conspired against him. They accused him of blasphemy, of claiming to be equal with God something that was punishable by death. They failed to recognize Jesus for who he really was. Jesus was God incarnate. Jesus is the second person of the triune God. Jesus was telling the truth about himself, and they rejected it. And why did they do that? In the end, I think it was to keep their own power. They had a different God even though they claimed the God of Jesus as theirs. Their real God was a different God. Their own place in society was <coughs> their God. A God they were willing to conspire for, bribe for, and kill for. They killed the true God to protect their own God. And in the end, they were their own gods. They put themselves before the one true God. They put themselves in the place that can only rightly be held by the Father, Son, and Spirit. The crowds did it too. Pilate did it. They did it for self-protection, self-preservation. They killed God to save themselves. Because in the end, they valued their own selves above God. We are no different. Is God our God? Or do we in the end put ourselves in God's place? The cross shows us the sad and terrible human response to the one true God. Our response is to do away with God, whether it's overt like the cross or something as basic as denying God's existence, or whether it's something more subtle. We set up other things as God for us, sometimes other people, and quite often we put ourselves in God's place. This is the basic human sin. When Adam and Eve ate the fruit in the garden, it was on the promise from the serpent that when they did, they would become like God. And the Bible goes on to talk about this basic sin as idolatry. Just basically letting other things be in the place of God. And often those were handmade objects of worship carved with wood or stone. Today, more often, our idols are other things, usually things that we believe we can handle or control. 
but ultimately we can't. Idolatry is the de-godding of God. It's our basic claim that we don't believe in God as God over us. That we don't really want to relinquish our lives, our possessions, our families, our jobs, our behaviors, our thoughts, to our everything. We don't want to relinquish those things to someone else, even if that someone else is an all-loving God. Idolatry is putting something else, and quite often putting ourselves, in the place and position that only God ought to be. We do this as much as the chief priests and scribes and Pharisees and Pilate and crowds. The cross reveals what our continuing, our continuing idolatry looks and feels like. Jesus' death, that is what we do with God and to God. Our continuing idolatry is a major problem. It's no small thing. It, and it's something that God really is not happy about. In fact, the Bible uses some pretty strong language about it, like anger, jealousy, judgment, punishment, and wrath. It uses those words to talk about God's reaction to idolatry. Those are all words that we don't want to associate with God. Words that we don't particularly want God directing our way. Yet there they are in Scripture. And they disturb us, much like the cross does. Why these terrible words? And why this terrible cross? Why doesn't God just use his love and simply declare that everything will be okay? God doing that would be a very weak kind of forgiveness. It would be a forgiveness that we're very familiar with because we do it all the time. With all kinds of little things, we tell each other, don't worry about it, it's okay. But when the stakes get higher, we have all kinds of trouble forgiving. And even when we can muster the will to forgive in difficult circumstances where we have been terribly wronged by someone, it's far from easy for us to do it. It's painful for us to do it. Now, we tend to not view idolatry, at least today, as a major problem. In fact, most of the time, we don't even think we're doing it. God, though, is terribly wronged by it. Because our idolatry is the attempt to remove God from our life. Even if we say we believe in God, often we are functionally removing God as God out of our life. Idolatry is the attempt to stop God from being God for us. Imagine if I tried to do this with my mother. Imagine she raises me, she gives me all kinds of things as I grow up, she teaches me good morals and principles, and then as I grow up, I say, thank you for the upbringing, and it was such a great upbringing, I'm going to live my life the way you taught me, but I don't want you to be my mother anymore. I think she would have this mixture of immense sorrow and intense wrath. She wouldn't let me get away with that. And I don't know how she could forgive me for something like that. I don't think she could just say, oh, it's okay. God declaring it's okay wouldn't really be forgiveness. 
God's saying, oh, putting me first in your life, that actually doesn't matter. Me actually being God in your life isn't important, and I'll just watch from the sidelines as you live out your life. God looked on our idolatry with a mixture of immense sorrow and intense wrath. He needs to say to us, it's not okay. And the cross shows us how not okay it is. What we deserve from God is, in fact, abandonment. We forsake God as God, and he ought to forsake us as his children. This is what death is. This is how the scriptures describe death. It's the ultimate separation from the God of life. The scriptures speak of the repercussions of sin being death. The consequence of God's wrath upon us is an eternity of separation from him. These are words we don't like to hear. But in many ways, it's exactly what we choose when we let other things, including ourselves, be our idols. The cross doesn't just show us what we do to God. The cross shows us what we deserve from God. And as we come to realize our sin, we see the shame of Jesus, the one without sin, hanging on the cross. As we come to realize our sin, we know that it ought to be us on the cross and not him. He is the only one that did not deserve to go there. Why is he there? Because God loves us that much. Instead of abandoning us in our abandonment of him, he opened up a way for deep forgiveness, for a reforging of a right relationship with him. The intense wrath of God against us for our sin is poured out on Jesus, not us. Jesus takes it on, and he dies in our place. Jesus gets abandoned, is separated from God, instead of it being us. Our basic sin is to try and take the place of God. God's basic grace is to take our place. It's a costly grace. It's a deep forgiveness. The cross declares that what we have done in setting the true God aside in our lives is very much not okay. <clears throat> Yet the anger, the condemnation, the judgment for our actions has been taken on by God himself in the person of Jesus on the cross. What do we do with this crucified God? We believe. We admit that it should have been us on the cross. We give God back the place in our life that he is supposed to have. We trust him with our whole life. And we never think that we are the ones accomplishing anything. We never believe that we can save ourselves. We never believe that we can get ourselves right with God. We instead give thanks 
that God accomplished it all. 